politics without the soap opera with unfiltered constitutional conservative truth. The Conservative Review with Daniel Horowitz. And welcome back, fellow American patriots and minimums standing at the ready to fight anew for our life, our liberty, and our property here at CR Podcast. This is your host, Daniel Hurwitz, back here today, end of the week, Friday, barreling towards the end of the year, and we have so much to do, so little time left uh, before we go on our annual Christmas, New Year's vacation. But folks, we always focus on what matters, and it's funny, all my colleagues, they're starting off today, oh, Kirsten Cinema is that, that's the biggest news. Not only is it not the biggest news, and there's about three other political stories that are more important, but understanding those other stories will shed light on how they're getting Kirsten Cinema completely wrong. She's not helping us own the libs and drifting away from the Democrat Party because it's become so radical. She is actually a Trojan horse against us. And and we're going to talk about that, that there's a lot of important lessons to learn from cinema, but the exact opposite of what you're hearing from everyone else. And that's why you tune in. Again, I appreciate if you can give us a five-star rating with a comment on iTunes. Send the show to every one of your friends and relatives. Sign up to be a team leader in one of our state legislative strike force teams to focus on what matters at conaction.network. And later on, we are going to have Jimmy Petronas, the chief financial officer of Florida, coming up to discuss state stuff, how states could protect us or a couple states could protect us from the tyranny. Um, and, and, and look, I am not trying to save America. I'm trying to protect ourselves from America. I know that sounds very harsh, but conservatism, conserving America as we know it, is not what it's all about because America as we know it is a maggot-infested carcass. And we have to come to grips with that. Everything these guys are working on still operates under the assumption that there's like a 50-50 Senate, you get another a Democrat lease, maybe we could win things. No. Now, there are important things to focus on at a federal level only in as much as they create inflection points to drive what we need to be doing with red state national divorce and the red state legislatures. That's why I care about the speaker's fight, just because it gives us more leverage to, you know, for example, one of the things we're pushing for is that if McCarthy's going to be speaker, he has to agree that to allow amendment votes. So we could push uh, a national discussion on certain ideas like getting rid of liability protection for, for vaccine companies. But ultimately, we're not going to fix the federal government. We have to protect ourselves from it. And that, that's really our goal. And that's what everyone's missing. And what I mean by that is there's several stories out today that are being ignored by conservative media. They always focus on the Democrats. Oh, the Democrats. They never focus on their own sphere of influence and the issues that matter. Do you know yesterday... The FDA announced that it approved the baby boosters just two days after Pfizer submitted its application. Two days. A shot that is proven to be for a different strain, even the new strain is gone. Negative efficacy. Death shot. Babies. Babies. Emergency 
rushed in two days at this stage when everyone, even Democrats, agree it's kind of over with. And yet, name me the one Republican of prominence who spoke out against it. Did Kevin McCarthy or anyone in his leadership team speak out against it? Did Kevin McCarthy promise to hold hearings on the FDA approval process and the vaccine injury and liability issues? Human experimentation, gene experimentation? Did, did McCarthy promise to shut this down? No, and he never will. Did any prominent conservative voice call on McCarthy to do that? No. And this is my point. It's not just that they're supporting McCarthy as speaker. They're not even, like, the only argument to support him is to say, we'll use him as a hostage to then demand things of him. But they're not. Kirsten Cinema, Kirsten Cinema. Oh, but the Democrats, ha, ha, ha. No, the laugh's on you, not on us. They're winning on the policy, and cinema is helping them win. But first, before we get to cinema, I want to go on to the next story. So that's, that's the shots. Nothing, no matter how egregious the government's behavior is, on Joseph Mengele-style stuff, they will continue this. This is worse than abortion. Because remember, to my knowledge, we're not quite yet at the point where you go to a doctor and he'll see you pregnant and he'll say, hey, it's time you get an abortion. I think this is a great idea. And even if he did, everyone knows exactly what that is. Whereas every doctor, almost every doctor, will tell people to put this in their kids. How do you allow the government to approve this? See, I don't even know what our leverage would look like, even in the minority, in fighting this, and they will have the majority in the House, if Republicans won't even speak out against it. They won't even use their voice. So we can't even game out what the vote would look like. They don't use their voice. They, they do the most egregious things, and it's like, wait, you just did what? No, not a single Republican will even mention it. There's literally nothing checking them on the issues that matter. And then speaking of the issues that matter, yesterday, the House finalized the sodomy fake marriage bill to codify a concept of gay marriage against the rights of the individual, religious liberty rights. I don't know if Biden signed it yet, but no one even talked about it. Conservatives don't care. And here's the deal. So 39 House Republicans voted for it. A couple things about that. Included in those 39 are the number three and four leadership member, Tom Emmer, who's the GOP whip, the man counting the votes. And number four, the conference chair, Elise Stefanik. They voted for it. Also, this guy Gallagher from Wisconsin voted for it, and he was just named the chairman of the select committee on holding China accountable. Now, now you might say, well, the two issues are kind of different, but are they? When you don't have enough values to fight a pagan theocracy, which is what that is, in America, you believe that you could force individuals to service that absurdity, and what, he's going to be a check on China? I don't believe it. 
And then finally, while the number three and four voted for it, the number one and two, McCarthy and Scalise, to my knowledge, did not utter a word. See, this is what people are missing. It's not just, oh, 39 Republicans voted for it. The reason why you have 39 House Republicans here, 12 Senate Republicans there, going voting with the Democrats is because 95% of the Republicans quietly support it. McCarthy refused to whip against it. Oh, we're not taking a position. It's okay. And wouldn't utter a word. And even if you're bought into sodomy, which all of them are, because God forbid should we believe in like just basic, basic values. Especially after seeing all the grooming and what this has done to a generation. But at least a religious liberty issue. You can at least talk about nothing. Nothing. So you might think, well, okay, you know, 39, it's a small percentage of 210 or whatever, how many Republicans are there right now. But it's really the opposite. It's except for 39 or so the other way, they're all fine with it. This is what you need to realize. It's irremediably broken. It's irremediably broken. This is how they move the Overton window inexorably to the left and further and further and further to the left. And this is where everyone is getting Kirsten Cinema wrong. I wanted to first start off with that background. So it looks like, oh, the Democrats are on the ropes. You see, it's a tight Senate. You know, now one's becoming an independent. Oh boy, you know, they're they're really losing just the opposite. There's a number of lessons to learn from cinema. I don't know exactly what her motivations are yet. But what I do know is the outcome is the exact opposite of what they think. She's actually going to help the left be a conduit into the Republican Party to get them to support things that they wouldn't otherwise support or there would be too much pressure against them. And the lesson is that the weakest link among the Democrats, so much so that she officially becomes an independent, technically leaves the party, the weakest link among the Democrats is stronger than the strongest link in the Republican Party. That is the imbalance there. Now, first, our sponsor today, folks, what we're learning from the Twitter files is that if you have stuff that's not encrypted, they monitor it. For example, we now know our direct messages on Twitter. I shudder to think about it. We're all being monitored by Twitter staff. That's why, in general, you have to realize all of your activity is profiled, surveilled, data harvested online, Everything you do if you don't put a mask on your computer. Now, unlike the Chinese face diapers, ExpressVPN is a mask that actually works and makes your IP address anonymous. Um, I have all of my devices on it, and I shudder to think all the years I didn't. For less than $7 per month, you can join me and fight back against big tech. Stop them from spying on you by using ExpressVPN. Uh, This is how they make their money. Tracking your searches, video, video history, everything you click on. ExpressVPN helps you uh, make anonymous your entire presence online. And the best thing is it's with the click of a button. You can have a family plan, get it on all of your devices, and done. One tap of the button on my phone or computer to turn it on. That's all it took to get me protected. If you don't like big tech tracking you and selling your personal data for profit, it's time to fight back 
Visit expressvpn.com slash conservative right now to get three months of ExpressVPN for, for free. It's a pretty good deal there. That's expressvpn.com slash conservative, expressvpn.com slash conservative. So here's the irony. So it sounds like, oh, Kirsten Cinema, wow, she left the party. But then I read carefully, no, she didn't. No, she didn't. I have news for you. Technically speaking, Angus King from Maine and uh, Bernie Sanders from Vermont are independent, but they caucus with the Democrats. Now, Cinema didn't say she she made it clear she's not going to caucus with Republicans. Whether she's still going to caucus with Democrats, she said it, she basically left that open. Now, let me explain something to you. When you have technically a 51-49 Senate and one senator leaves the party, let's say, okay, let's say she didn't become a Republican, became an independent. But still, that's a de- declaration of war on your party. Do you think if she really were leaving it, in a sense like, we're done with you, do you think they would allow her to have her chairmanships Meaning, even if you wouldn't strip her of her committee assignments, but you would strip her, I mean, you'd always do this, of her chairmanships. I don't think she's yet a full committee chair, but she has two subcommittee chairmanships. One on, like, science and commerce, and one is the subcommittee for border management on the Committee on the Homeland Security. So, you need someone in the in the majority party as the chair, right? If, if, they, if they leave the majority party, even if it's not to go to the Republicans, but just to, uh, you know, become an independent. But still, I mean, that's, you're not going to, you'll, you'll, you'll give the gavel to someone who is a good member, good standing member of your party. I mean, that's what anyone would do. And certainly the Democrats play hardball. Maybe Republicans would grovel to, to a member who did that, but Schumer wouldn't. Notice there's not a lot of animosity. And the answer is that nothing has changed. There's two reasons why she's likely doing this. Number one, just in general, it's popular. Especially in Arizona, independents are rapidly growing. It's a divided state. Why not? It doesn't cost her anything. She's not going to change the way she is. Remember, for all the talk of her being the most conservative Democrat, she votes with Biden 93% of the time. Okay, it's, it's in the margins. There might be some ge- genuine distance of certain extreme manifestations of the most extreme issues that she dissents from, but fundamentally, she's with them. Remember, when she came in during the Obama era, okay, she was on the left wing of the Obama era Democrats. We're not even talking about Tip O'Neill era Democrats. She was the first bisexual, whatever, whatever that means. I mean, she was hardcore. It just shows you how it moves the Overton window over that conservative media cheers like, oh, she's a conservative Democrat. No, she's not. She really isn't. Not a, Name me one issue that in a meaningful way she dissents. I don't mean like just one portion of the issue, but the entirety of the issue. So she doesn't. So she's not going to change that, but she gets more goodwill out of it. And B, now she can be a conduit to get Republicans to work with her. And this is the point everyone's missing. Everyone's like, ah, ha, ha, 
Yo, look at that. Democrats are on the rope. Kirsten Cinema had enough of them. Yet on the same day, she is working with Tom Tillis and probably other Republicans. And, 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 and there's talk. We'll find out later today. As of now, there's rumors. I don't want to make the accusation that somehow Brandon Judd, the head of the Border Patrol Union, might agree to her proposal. Basically, she's going to throw a ton of money at Border Patrol, 14% salary raise, everything, and they're fine with that. And it creates a mass amnesty program. And as I've noted, even if you aren't bothered by amnesty, it's not an equal trade. Because it's not like it's amnesty for those here, but absolutely shuts down any future flow. No, it will exacerbate a future flow. Because the problem at the border is not money. Border Patrol is three times larger than it was 20 years ago. It's the policies. And you have an administration that is working with the cartels. You throw them more money, the money is just going to pay the agents more to do more of what they're doing. It doesn't prohibit catch and release and make criminal penalties against DHS for doing it. Unless you do that, it doesn't. So it's not even like amnesty on condition of border security. It's funding. But Republicans always joust about defunding ICE, defunding the police. Democrats are never going to do that. They have no problem spending money, giving them salaries. They'll, they'll increase their salaries. Oh, we love our border agents. It's the policy outcomes they don't want. But cinema now is going to have this veneer of all independence. And she's going to be a conduit to screw us. So notice how even their weakest link, which she probably is, grading on some convoluted Overton window shifting scale, she is, uh, yeah, she's uh, the least liberal of the Democrat senators. And yet she's, look at how effective she is, not in working with Republicans, you know, to help us on our issues, but no to get Republicans who are willingly doing it to support their initiatives. That's the beauty of the Democrat Party. Their weakest link is stronger than our strongest link. This is the point everyone's missing about cinema. She's a Trojan horse. But there also is another important point I want to make, make about her that I think we could learn for our own purposes. I think she does rightfully see that you know, all of our guys are like, Daniel, you have to be a Republican. No other choice. She's actually showing, and I think she she is genuine in this sense. I mean, she's she's just another leftist, but that her messaging is correct. She's putting out this whole thing. The system's broken. Kind of what I say, except it's very different because she agrees with it. She is the consummate technocrat, agrees with the WEF stuff, meaning she's not doing what Tulsi Gabbard did. She's just taking, what she's doing is taking the most extreme things of the left, cutting away some of the edges of it, and then getting our side to support it. It's a brilliant tactic. And you look like you're a moderate. But at least her messaging is on target. It, being an independent is popular. And the lesson I want to take out from that is, so it's hard to initially run not on one of the major party ballots. But what we need to start doing is the re-election. So you get a guy elected on condition, you know privately what he should do. This is one of our, our things we need to start doing is once you're there, you just change parties. I'm independent. Then you already have the notoriety, the name ID, and you just run for re-election as an independent. I'm telling you, like if I could advocate one thing to Ron DeSantis, I would tell him, you have so much goodwill. You've already almost been like your own party. 
if he were to announce tomorrow, you know, the system is broken. And even though I just won an election, I'm not running. I mean, he's term limited there. I'm declaring myself an independent. I think that would be extremely powerful. So, <laughs> so I think Kirsten Cinema is on to something. Now, she's a fraud. But why can't our people do that and adapt and be more creative like she is for her own devious purposes? But this, this is the point everyone's missing. The baby booster vaccines, the gay marriage bill, that's what matters. And of course, the McCarthy business. That McCarthy won't take a stand and privately hope yes, vote no on the critical issues of our time. How is that guy prepared to be a speaker if he literally will not utter, utter a word about the gay marriage stuff? Now, I just want to update you guys on um, the speaker's fight. And this is a good transition into our guest, into you know going from federal to, to state. So there's five Republicans that pledged not to vote for McCarthy no matter what. Andy Biggs, uh, Congressman Good from from Virginia, Matt Gates, um, Rose, Matt Rosendale from Montana, that's four. And doggone, I forgot the fifth name and I apologize for that. I should know it. But another seven wrote a letter demanding McCarthy agree to a bunch of changes in house rules and basically insinuated they won't vote for him if he doesn't work with them. So Scott Perry, Dan Bishop, Paul Goser, um, Andrew Clyde of Georgia, Chip Roy, um, and then two new incoming freshmen, Eli Crane of Arizona two and Andy, um, Ogies from Tennessee five. And basically they they put out a whole bunch of things that bills have to be single issue. They have to be amendable. They have to be allowed floor amendments and seventy two hour uh, seventy two hours to read the bill. They currently have the rule, but they have waivers and they waive it on all the important issues. So this would take away the waivers. Um, leadership cannot get involved in primaries is another one. Um, conservatives need to be more represented on committees and among chairmanships. Uh, so that's that's that. They're making demands for that. A firm plan to end limitless spending, using must-pass legislation to check the Biden administration, like the debt ceiling and the omnibus bills, um, and then to form a church committee-style commission to target the weaponized government. So it's not just like, you know, you, they pick and choose. You have one centralized committee going after the Fourth Reich. And again, I you know, I could kind of pick around the edges and say I would have done this or that, but... Generally, it's a good idea what they put out there. Why isn't everyone in conservative media backing them up? Is it so unreasonable? No, no, you're ruining it. We need to move on already. You're, you're subverting the majority. That's all they care about. But a majority of what? Built upon quicksand? They never want to change the game. But the reason why these rules are so important, I don't even care. Okay, like we already noted. There's a 95-5 leftist majority in the Senate. There's a, I don't know, I mean, where you want to draw the line, but a four, 380 to 55, let's say, liberal majority in the House. You ain't going anywhere. But the reason why this is important is because it will help the few dozen 
or so who do share our values and will fight for us, give them a voice to give national prominence to our issues that we can then bang away at them in the red states and work synergistically with them. And and, and we're going to have some examples of this coming up with uh with our guest here. So you know what? Maybe maybe let, let's let's go on to that the state issues here right now. So now Jimmy Petronas is rapidly becoming one of my favorite elected officials. He's the chief financial officer of Florida like every statewide elected official was reelected uh in a landslide. And the reason why I love bringing him on is because he really speaks my love language. As you well know, my obsession in the time we live in, is with states interposing against the tyranny. Clearly, you're not going to solve this at a federal level. Um, the federal government is the problem in, in, in really two ways. If you're living in a red state, you have two problems. Number one, the direct tyranny, the feds coming in there with the FBI, IRS, uh, imposing an unconstitutional agenda, but also the built-up years and likely decades of the federal government, working with the global governments, working with entities like the World Economic Forum, to create this new spirit of the age that we want to surveil you, we want to monitor you, we want to control your lifestyle, we want you eating bugs, drinking sewage, uh, living without cars, and uh, you better obey our edicts. You better obey our lifestyle. And if you don't, we're going to engage in a civilization apartheid Against you. So you could have a red state where the red state government might not do it itself, but being neutral is not enough because absent the state interposing and, and prohibiting it, the feds and the global entities and just you know the system they created with the so-called private corporations and monopolies, starting with banks, but going on down from there, we saw with COVID, they could box you out of society. I mean, you don't get a shot, you don't wear a mask, you're done. You can't get medical attention, you can't get uh, a kidney transplant. This was crazy, but they're going to do this, Um, whether it's the social credit score, the ESG, centralized banking, digital currency. These are big problems, and rather than react and always play catch-up, we need need to get ahead of it. And, and, And Jimmy has been one of the people getting ahead of it. He made headlines this week. Uh, divesting $2 billion of state pension funding and other funding uh, from BlackRock, which has been at the head of this ESG fight. Look, our Florida money will only go to where our values are. That is where I think it's at. That's where the future of liberty is. And with us today is Jimmy Petronas to discuss this and more. Thanks so much for joining us today at Plays Media. Hey, Daniel, guys, so, I'm not so giddy that you're now allowing me to talk because I mean, I'm still sitting here. I could listen to this guy forever. So, man, keep on preaching, brother. You, uh, you are definitely on the right track with where we need to be in our country. Well, people need to hear from you more. So, I'm, you know, I'm gonna listen to you now. I think people want to hear <laughs> you are, um, you know, everyone knows from Governor DeSantis throughout the country, but you have an important role, Chief Financial Officer. You also happen to be the Fire Marshal or you know, was very involved in the hurricane response. And I might want to get to that in a couple minutes, but start off with um, pulling the money out of BlackRock. Explain a little bit what's the nature of this funding. And, you know, until now, we've had this problem that the boycott cancel culture was in one direction. Mm -hmm. We can never organize it the other way. These guys are too strong. It never hurts them. Is this really hurting them? 
So, you know, um, I, I, that was that question was asked to me the other day, and and I hate to 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 be insensitive with my answer, but I am. You know, I can say the same thing when when we did the Tokyo raid, the Doolittle raid over over Tokyo. Did did that stop the war? No, but it was definitely um, the sentiment of what our country was feeling at the time, and the message we needed to send to the Japanese Empire. This is this is no different. We're not going to probably change, you know, Mr. Fink or BlackRock's habits. But I know this: as I grew up in the restaurant business for thirty years of my life, I had to cater to the customer. And if I didn't cater to the customer, the customer takes the money somewhere else. They stop eating with me. And the best thing I can do for Mr. Fink and BlackRock, they want to start using my taxpayers' dollars from the state of Florida, which I'm a, a trustee over, and start to, to you know propagandize their own political agenda by using my horsepower to do it um, without focusing the, what the, the true mission is, and that's fiduciary responsibility to maximum return on the investment. Um, now it's time for me to go take my money somewhere else. So again, um, it, it's it's had a little bit of a chain reaction. Other states have started to pile on. Arizona has done it since we've done it. Um, the North Carolina treasurer is now demanding Larry Fink resign. Um, you know, I I, I think uh, you know we we will create a movement. Uh, and to your point, we will we will ultimately uh, we'll, we'll we'll get some attention. And having this opportunity to speak to your listeners is also an incredible chance to you know spread our our passion for wanting you know, responsibility in our investments. Do you think Vanguard pulling out of one of those ESG programs just a day later had what to do with your decision or, you know, are they still all in on this? So I had gotten outreach from corporates uh, the day after we did it and saying, you know, thank you. This pretty much like general counsels. I want to thank you for doing this. You're giving us cover to push back. So I, I think, you know, we, we may have helped, some of these decisions may have been on the brink of making that call. I don't, I don't want to be the, the, the father of, of this movement. Uh, I just think I'm just being a reasonable person who has got, you know, reasonable expectations. And, you know, eventually if my reasonable expectations aren't being met, then it's time for me to take my business somewhere else. And I think Vanguard, you know, BlackRock took, took a, um, uh, a, a beating this past uh, week and a half. And I think Vanguard had already been taking their licks. And I think they said, you know, um, we're we're walking away from this. We we don't want the um, the undue criticism. So, you know, w- one of the things that has shocked me and and it's changed my life since COVID, I've realized there is no depth of depravity of how bad things could be, how illogical, immoral, illegal, inhumane the policy mm-hmm. may be, and they will do it. And they'll get away with it. And we can't assume, oh, no, that can't happen. I mean, that's what COVID taught us. If you, if you I, I wish I would have known ahead of time, hey, one day they're going to make everyone cover their breathing holes to function. They're going to you know, get an experimental jab that turned out to be problematic. They're going to lock you down. I wish we would have been ahead of it, but we weren't, and we had to play catch up. So one of the things that's looming, and, and I think we need to get ahead of, is this talk of a central bank digital currency. And... Obviously, you know, they've really consolidated medical care into a cartel. That's a vital need. They're going after food and fuel. It's a vital need. You go after the money and say, basically, hey, buddy, you know, we control it. If uh, if we don't like what you're doing, you get cut off. You uh, you know, you're you're a creature that uh, what do they call it? A a needless eater or something. We don't like this. Um, You know, covid is easier to push back 
against in Florida because it's kind of isolated. It's it's legal. So we're just not going to do that legal structure here. We're not going to do that here. Obviously, financial markets, banking is, is global. As a state treasure trustee of the money, when you see this threat looming, what are some things you feel red states could do to make this painful or unfeasible to ever become a reality? Well, you know, I, look, I'm a, I'm a big believer in states' rights. Um, you know, there, there's there's different philosophies out there with the state legislatures, and and there's those that are the absolute purists. You know, I'm I'm the state legislature. I'm the alpha, the omega. I created the local government. I created the federal government. And sometimes I think it's important that we reflect on that. That if we allow just to allow the status quo in Washington to con- continue to go as it goes, then we get the government we deserve. I preach to uh, the voters every time I had a chance to an election cycle, hold your electeds accountable. If you don't, you get the government you deserve. We need to say that to ourselves. And you know the public needs to realize they've got to hold me accountable. If they don't believe that the philosophies that I am advocating for are in the, the best um, minds or direction for the state of Florida, then then they, they should react. But I uh, again, I, I think you know Governor DeSantis is is doing right by the citizens of the state of Florida. I think we're we're focusing on the, the needs of the citizens of the state. Um, you know, it's kind of hard to control what's going on in Washington, but we continue to pivot. It's no different than what we did with Hurricane Ian. We set five hundred million dollars aside, first time in the history of the state, five hundred million dollars aside uh, to help with the repairs, restoration, and and, and cash flow of those devastated areas. This historically has been a role the federal government plays, but the federal government is so bureaucratic that these small communities, cities, and counties have to go take out hundreds of millions of dollars in loans to pay the debt service on the debris removal where the where this has always been a role of FEMA. So again, I, I think at some point, you know, you just got to say, dang it, I'm going to do the job of the federal government and then we'll figure it out later. Thank goodness Florida's in the best fiscal health in the history of the state uh, to be able to make those type of decisions. So, I mean, is there a way of preventing Florida banks from embracing a digital currency? So, um, you know, we've got state chartered banks and we've got federal chartered banks. Um, You know, I really don't have a whole lot to do over the federal chartered banks, but, you know, as as some of the challenges we're having with the threat of this supersizing in the IRS, you know, I'm looking for tools to push back on the federal government. So one of our, our solutions is we're going to, you know, pass legislation with the expectation that state chartered banks, the, the banks that we issue the ability to do business, we are going to make them become partners with the state of Florida on tracking IRS engagement. Mm. Uh, because at, at some point we're going to have a different Congress. Uh, we're going to have a different Senate. And we want to be able to report that type of activity because I'm convinced Florida will be targeted by this supersizing of the IRS. And that's one of the things we talked about before you came on. You know, we view it as federal and state kind of separate things. But to me, what people forget is with Republicans taking over the House and, you know, you have the Oversight Committee, James Comer there, um, Jim Jordan is going to do oversight. To me, it's a synergistic effort. You have states that work together, and I guess that's what you're trying to do. Gather the data, say to the banks, hey, anytime the IRS goes and audits businesses, we want to know about it. And then you could work with you know, the House Oversight Committee, uh, House Judiciary Committee, uh, House Financial Services Committee to, 
to share that information and you serve as a voice, a voice against it. Um, so, so A, we're not going to do that in this state, but also uh, raise prominence at a federal level. That's one of your pillars. But I want to get to one of the other ideas you have. You talk about okay. anti-discrimination statutes. Mm-hmm. Um, how could you... I mean, look, you know, my view is radical federalism. I believe that when the feds are absolutely breaking life, liberty, and property, it's not a gray area. It's black and white. I think states do have an obligation to step in and just say this this is not happening. But you have at least kind of some building blocks for that. Um, You know, we all know prima facie – they're targeting people for political beliefs. Like, so for example, sure. the people standing Absolutely. outside abortion clinics, they have this obscure statute that they're hitting them on for blocking women's health access, but none of them are. No one's being blocked from going in. It's literally blocking them for their political, uh, you know, uh, prosecuting them for political beliefs. So the IRS, we know they have done that in the past. They're certainly going to do this with all those agents. Um, how do you hit them on anti-discrimination lawsuits to to get at least some of the agents in the state on the hook with state law? So what we we're trying to figure out what is our hook to doing this? The one thing that's a reality, um, so many of the federal laws that are on the books right now, the federal government does not have the manpower, or the resources to be able to enforce these things. So there are reciprocal agreements with the state or sometimes the federal government has to go out to contractors in order to implement uh, and execute some of, of these these um, these new laws that are on the books. In the case with this uh, massive expansion of the IRS, you know, they're going to be harvesting, you know, billions of dollars and to harvest those billions of dollars and drilling down, drilling down into people's. Um, you know, uh, Venmo accounts, PayPal, all that, uh, they're going to have to hire vendors. They're going to have to hire contractors. Mm. And some of those contracts will, will be licensed here in the state of Florida. They're not going to have a choice. They're not going to send down federal people from Washington to come to Florida to do this job. They'll have. So we have said, all right, if you're going to be part and we, ta- we, we uh, document and investigate and realize you are targeting and discriminating, then the state of Florida will lank, yank your Florida business license. So we will take from them what we have that em- enables them to be able to do the business on behalf of the federal government or, or behalf of anybody else they want to do business. So, so we're going to make sure at least those players in the state of Florida doing business in the state of Florida also work with us to be honest brokers in executing whatever ridiculous law the federal government passes. So, so that's the point that even if you believe you can't directly kind of control the federal agents, whatever, you know, get into that, the supremacy clause. I mean, I think it has limitations because it's in pursuance thereof of the Constitution. But sure. but this is the lower hanging fruit. You're saying, look, they have to rely on private contractors. And, you know, yeah. if you're going after businesses in Florida, you might use debt collectors in Florida. Um, and other vendors. So you're going to scrutinize those people, potentially uh, take their licenses licenses away um, as leverage. Another interesting point I felt was so important is just just defense. Um, people feel alone. I mean, I'm, I'm watching that with some J6 Absolutely. defendants, like January 6 defendants. I'm not talking about people that rampage and did really bad things. People that literally did not do anything bad, like maybe walked in, gave a speech and left, and they're pretty much held indefinitely without you without without bail. I mean, it's out of control, and they're on their own. They're the pariah. Um, now, I know your bill. You're not going into the FBI and other agencies. I do wonder if we can apply a similar thing. But you're saying with the IRS, 
that you're basically going to say, look, if, if the state determines that you're being targeted politically, we're going to help you with your legal defense? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So our proposal, we will incentivize Floridians to fight back against the IRS by making them financially whole if it's proven that they've been discriminated. So, again, they, they came out, the, the IRS targeted Tea Party groups. You know, we all felt like it was there. We felt like that was the case. And then ultimately, under the Trump administration, the truth came out and, and jobs were lost over this. So, again, I, I remind people all the time, these are human beings educating, uh, executing policies created by other human beings. So they will have they will have an emotional agenda. They'll have a political agenda and they'll have what is their, uh, you know, their interpretation of what that statute should say. This is this is another reason why to me, government bureaucrats. That's why they're so scared to put anything in an email or in paper because they don't want their head to roll because of their personal uh, their words being interpreted as a personal agenda. So, I mean, this is why people get so frustrated with the bureaucracy because nobody wants to give them an answer. You know, I still on my, on my phone, I get my state email to my phone. You know, there's very few in the state of Florida that still get their state emails to the phone because I like responding to constituents. I, I had a phone call today on my home phone from a woman. I still do. Yes, I have a home phone, uh, a woman from Jacksonville who was calling me about fire code issues. And I'm thinking, well, that's interesting. I said, how did you find me? And she, <laughs> you know, tell me how she, you know, she used the internet. So, I mean, but I, I feel like this is, again, this is why you, you need to stay accountable to the people. And when the people need help, you need to be there for them. You don't need to give them just a website to go to or a pamphlet in their hand. No, I mean, that's, that's what real governance is like. Um, but now it's not just the bureaucracies themselves being, ineffective i think they're often very effective in what they want to do the the tyranny and i i would love to see in florida if they would you know you pass that with the irs but maybe some of the other agencies as well you know when you have someone just singing hymns outside of an abortion clinic and they're hit up for 10 years right. in prison um i'd love to see the states come in and say look we're going to defend someone like that uh i mean it's it's not about any any law that they're worried they broke it's we know exactly why these people are being targeted um, have you thought about some other ways to maybe deter some of this tyranny? Just to throw out a couple, I don't mean to put you on the spot here, but number one, if if if, if the feds want to affect an arrest on an individual, maybe a certain threshold, if it's a nonviolent crime or something that you know, you'd have to see how to write that kind of that we suspect it's more political than than real. Um, you have to notify the sheriff in that jurisdiction beforehand. I mean, is there is there a way sure. to leverage that? You know, again, with our state in, in Florida, all of our state attorneys are elected, and and this is what happened with um, with Governor DeSantis and the Hillsborough County uh, prosecutor. The prosecutor came out and made it clear, and this isn't a direct answer to your question, but this is what we're I think we're kind of. Um, in, you know, chewing around the edges is this prosecutor says, you know, I'm, I'm not going to enforce Florida laws. So the governor then came back and removed him out of not, not doing his job. Um, so, I mean, we, we, we get into these areas of gray and public opinion. I mean, I mean, still, you know, marijuana is illegal in federal law, but you have states that have come out and create with various, you know, interpretations of how they feel like it needs to be 
you know, legalized, but it's, it's, I still think there's a blind eye of, all right, are, are we going to rip the bandaid off or we're going to continue to let states do what they want to do and play disregard of the federal law? So, um, you know, this is why I just keep on stressing elections have consequences and we've got to keep the electorate engaged. We've got to keep people like you in people's ears, making sure they understand the importance of what your rights are and why you should stand up and be heard. Yeah, I mean, because we're living the nightmare scenario here where we have a federal government that is literally violating life, liberty, and property. And I think things that we never would have thought about need to be visited. I like your plan. I think it's it's a good foundation. Um, Is there a way to maybe, you know, and maybe they could choose not to abide by this, and this would be kind of a brinkmanship, but to make federal agents that have arresting power um, to register – with the state. In other words, like, look, hey, you know, you're the federal government, you kind of do what you do, but look, if you're going to go around arresting our citizens in the state, we'd like to know who you are. So, well, it's kind of funny. Um, one of my first proposals to the, the my team was, I said, how about uh, licensure under the state of Florida? How about ethics training in the state of Florida? I mean, there's a number of things that we have got on the books. The transparency in government, the sunshine laws in the state of Florida are some of the broadest most transparent of the whole United States is far more than the federal government. So, I mean, you know, I, I wish I had the ability to snap my fingers and say, how about just simple ethics training? Give these guys the ability. I have to sit in ethics training. Why and somebody who is going and investigating an individual who they think has done something wrong by the taxpayers of the federal government, why can't they, you know, have to understand uh, a, a manner or approach or, or protocol um, that we feel is, you know, what the state of Florida and our, our citizens deserve. So, I mean, we're going, we're definitely going to establish, um, you know, penalties for discrimination by these agents, and it'll be a civil penalty. But we're we're going to again try to go at it probably more than of a stick than a carrot approach, to let them know if you start coloring outside of the lines and making your own rules and discriminating against our people, then we're going to bring on civil penalties on you. So at least this is some type of a deterrent the state of Florida can come up with. Yeah, I mean, if you have the federal government doing things that the FBI whistleblowers that went to Congressman Jordan are alleging, that's a big problem, that they're directly targeting people that weren't even at the Capitol. They're just targeting people straight up for their views. And, and you know, there's got to be a point where maybe this is an information warfare and we start going after those individual agents and the state maybe compiles information and says, hey, look, I mean, this guy is just abusing his office. Um, going after Floridians, for example, uh, for just you know not believing in COVID tyranny, which is kind of what they're stating they're going to do. Uh, just in the remaining minute or two here, um, the two I get two complaints I hear from Florida uh, from residents there. So the problem you have there now is everyone wants to live there, so mm-hmm. you have this really unnatural growth in so many areas. Have you guys thought through like a long term <clears throat> transportation? issue highway issue everyone complains about the traffic in south florida is there anything that could be done about that no so i mean there's there's definitely the debate to go back and forth with incorporating high-speed rail and other forms of 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 transportation you know you do surge tolling on what toll roads you say the florida doesn't have a lot of toll roads but you do surge tolling where you give incentive to travel on those roads 
earlier in the day or later in the day in order to kind of soften the spikes when the traffic gets backed up. Um, so, you know, we, we definitely, we, we play with those, uh, but some, you know, it's again, oh, you just increase the toll. You're, you're, you're punishing those who can least afford it. But, you know, you, you, you finally get to the point where there's no more right away to expand a road any further. You know, now your, 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 your roads are bumping up against, you know, you know, air, air, uh, airport runways. So, I mean, there's, there, there's those cases and some of those more congested areas, but this is where, you know, other parts of, of Florida have definitely seen a surge, uh, and movement just because, man, this is, it's, this is an amazing state. It's, uh, it's, it's just, I, I'm, I'm so proud to be part of it. And you know what? Um, we've got a governor who is leading in the right way at, at the right time for the citizens of the state. And, um, Again, did I remind everybody that we're the best fiscal health we've ever been in the history of the state? I just like I love to say that. So the the, the final thing that that again, a lot of people move down there, they get the sticker shock, is the homeowners insurance. Typically, mm-hmm. uh, we understand that when why health insurance doesn't work properly because the government has intervened in it in so many ways. Uh, it's not a free market. Doesn't work for like fee for service. And often we use car insurance and homeowners insurance as an example. Of, hey, this is what insurance should look like. But you go to Florida, and homeowners almost looks like the way health insurance looks like, where it's just you have few options. It's a fortune, and it's not just insurance, but just like with medical insurance, they get involved with the nitty gritty of the house to such a point that after paying a fortune, they'll just come in and say, hey. Your roof done. It needs to be done. Otherwise, we're cutting you off. And they could have it certified from, uh, um, you know, from workers uh, in the roofing business. That no, your thing has another fifteen years left. It's totally fine. Right. Roofing is right. so expensive there. Now I know the legislature passed something for lower income people, but the problem is that you have a lot of people that don't don't have a lot of disposable income. But you know, they they spent a million, a million and a half, two million easily in South Florida on a home and they're totally screwed with that. Why, what mechanistically is not working in the market and is, are there any structural reforms you're looking at? So n- another special session starts the second week of December and it's primarily going to be uh, focused on litigation reform. So the state of Florida right now, it, it has um, um, an environment where 8% of all insurance claims nationally originate out of the state of Florida, reasonable number. 80% of all litigation nationally in, uh, in, uh, originates in the state of Florida. So we, we are printing lawsuits at a rapid pace um, because of how the uh, compensation structure is for attorneys engaging in this type of, of litigation. There's a handful of firms. They print about a thousand lawsuits a month. Uh, the Florida bar, you know, God love them. They don't do enough of intervening with their own ethical behavior of these firms in order to put them out of business. And at the same time, we are allowing to get so unchecked where the carriers are getting jaded. They're going bankrupt or they're leaving the state, which ultimately, and the ones that are staying here are the ones getting jaded and, in creating this 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 challenge when it yeah. comes to roofs, there's there's been a game being played with roofs where people come to somebody's house, they climb up on oh man, I've I found damage. The, they may have just manufactured the damage, they replace your roof, and then they send the bill to the insurance company, and the insurance company has not even had a chance to come out and inspect the damage themselves. So we we have got this environment that has gotten totally unchecked, 
We've got to swing the pendulum back to normal so our citizens can have affordable insurance. So you're saying a lot of this is the the litigation underpinning it um, that's become a cottage industry that makes it unprofitable to be an insurance carrier in the state uh, without really clamping down on on consumers, you know, as they do. I mean, obviously, you have a lot of insurance fraud, and they, they have to deal with that. But then you do have a lot of people doing everything they're doing, maintaining their house, and they just come after them, and and boom, you got to drop another sixty thousand. I mean, is there any way of saying, hey, look, if you have, you know, someone who's licensed who certifies that the roof does not need to be replaced, that they have to accept that? Yes and no. Um, so um, I'll, I'll give you one more fact. Um, five insurance carriers have gone bankrupt in the last year. Mm-hmm. Um, we had four insurance companies go bankrupt over the last five years. The environment right now has spun up to such an intensity um, that it has created the type of reaction out of the carriers regarding the roofs because of this new business model of using the roof as a way because nobody loves their insurance company i'm sorry you may love your agent you don't love your company your (laughs) carrier which is is what it is um but the 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 insurance company is now saying oh my gosh you know this person the smith family wants to be insured but their roof is 10 years old it's probably just fine but they're going to be targeted by an unscrupulous contractor that's going to come over and they're going to get them to sign what's called an assignment of benefits. That means you've just assigned your benefits to the contractor. You've given that contractor a blank check. So when you do that, the contractor, there's no checks and balances, and the contractor replaces your roof, and he also gets to fill out the invoice for whatever amount he wants. So it may have been a $15,000 roof. But he's going to build an insurance company fifty grand because you gave him that right. That's why I mm. pleaded with people after Hurricane Ian: do not sign anything. And and this is this is this is the problem we got. It's legal. You can give your rights to anybody. You can give anybody a blank check all day you want. But realize that it will it will drive up the overall cost of doing business in the state of Florida because you didn't know any better. So it's a push pull, driving up their cost, and obviously they start oh. clamping down on consumers. Uh, look, I mean, some of these are good problems to have in the sense that people want to live there. If I were Charlie Crist, I would have said, hey, look, you're not going to have traffic problems with me here. No one's going to want to come here, but uh, everyone's flowing there. I'm losing a lot of friends there. Maybe I'll go there myself. Um, at Jimmy Patronus on Twitter is where you could find our guest. Really enjoyed this and looking forward to having you back again. Yeah, Daniel, you're you're a pleasure to visit with and you're an inspiration to to all those that listen in. Uh, Thank you for what you do. Take care. God bless. So, folks, again, this is kind of the voice of the future. Um, I always love these conversations. I mean, these are the discussions we need to have and explore together what can and should be done. And I like that more than anyone else, at least he's thinking in the right direction. He put out a plan. He has legislative language now. I'm shopping around to other states. As always, I'm going to want to make it more hardcore. But, you know, you got to start somewhere. Uh, we just had a little bit of. Uh, I figured I'd do a little bit of Florida local, you know, issues there because we have so many listeners from Florida. Um, it's it's interesting. I mean, they have a lot of infrastructure issues there. It's also funny that this this is a philosophical quandary a lot of us have when you have years of a non free market and it creates problems. Then what do you do? 
it's like, you know, so he's obviously, you could tell more on the supply side than the consumer side. Hey, look, you know, rather than saying that you guys cannot, you know, um, extort consumers like this, let's try to address the cost issues. But, you know, the litigation stuff, the fraud with contractors. But, you know, once you have that, then the question is, you know, where does that leave consumers? And this is this is the issue we have a lot in a, in a lot of areas of the economy. Sometimes it's not a uniform answer. Um, but I could tell you this much when they when private businesses, so to speak, are have a monopoly and violate human rights and it's all coming from the federal government, then you do have to have blunt force, you know, on the on the kind of people side. You can't do this to the people. Um, and, and the broader lesson here, the broader lesson here is that inaction is not an option. Like I said, if you have every red state, just do nothing. Let's say the legislature from now until the rest of time in these states never passes a new terrible piece of legislation, which certainly is hard to do because they often do. Just where we're at now, the culture, the business world that was created from the lack of a free market, from the Fourth Reich, from all their stuff, they have their meat hooks into the red state. So if you don't actively pursue ideas to interpose against it, you're in big trouble. You know, I still believe the most important piece of legislation we need to see in every red state is some form of a nullification bill. That if we catch, if the federal government does anything that is unconstitutional, health regulations, financial regulations, land use, you name it, the state legislature could vote, and even if they're out of session, they could trigger them to come back in for a day and vote on a concurrent resolution to declare it unconstitutional. And that would create criminal penalties for any state, local, or state-funded NGO official implementing that policy. And I learned yesterday, this is, I was speaking with a friend of mine who's in the North Dakota legislature, so the guy who had the bill in North Dakota was Sebastian Ertelt. I didn't even know he was defeated in a primary. Now, it was a mixed bag. We got some good people in primaries. But just to show you how behind we are, you know, we're speaking to the Florida elected officials who are much more hardcore now. In North Dakota, you have Doug Burgum, the governor, that set up a fund to defeat conservatives. That's what they do. So their agencies continue to do all sorts of bad stuff, and then they block any legislature who wants to do, do the stuff we're talking about. So they defeat these people. They spent like $100,000 often against, you know, like in a, in a state house district. Now, $100,000, you're talking about North Dakota state house districts that often you'll spend fifteen twenty thousand dollars $20,000 getting elected. That's what they're doing. Doug Burgum's a total leftist, and you have that again. Every other state except for Florida, they're chambercrats, and there hasn't even been an effort to drain the swamp of the state agencies. So we got a lot of work to do in the coming year. Um, as you can tell, I'm detail-oriented. This is what we need. We need a list of issues, a list of strategies. You could sign up again at conaction.network to be one of our team leaders. Uh, I'm focusing right now only on red states. Also, time is limited. If you want your Blaze Media Patriotic gear as a Christmas present for your friend, relative, 
uh, in order for it to arrive on time, you need to buy it by Monday. So again, you could shop for, let's go, Brandon sort of uh, hats and shirts and things like that. Shop.blazemedia.com. 20% off with promo code Horowitz20. Hope you guys have a terrific, restful, family-oriented weekend. Till Monday, God bless you all, and thank you for listening. Thank you.